This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Today on the show, we have Stephen Kuhn. Stephen is a decorated United States Army combat veteran, veteran, speaker, author, consultant, who helps individuals dramatically improve the quality of their life, their consistent, conscious, and application of honesty, integrity, and transparency. Stephen lives in Hungary, his home choice after trying out nine countries before over the last 30 years, and consults individuals and companies and organizations. Stephen, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor to, to, to get to have you on my show if I've watched you for over the last year, um, well, all on your live videos. Well, I have to say, you know, um, you know, you're you're just building up your personality online as well. I see that. But we met in um, in uh, Orlando. We hit it off. So I appreciate that the invitation. Of course, more than happy. Can you describe a little bit what your family looks like right now, and any gaps in in that intro? Sure. Um, no, there's no gaps. I mean, it was you know, we all live a life, um, so it's hard to describe the highs and the lows uh, in a two second sort of bo. So uh, bio. Um, so my life. I have. I'm 51 years old. I have a 30 year old wife. Uh, from Hungary, which is why I live here now. And I have two children, Maximilian, Eugene Kuhn, he's four years old, and Chenge, Victoria Kuhn, who is a uh, three-year-old daughter. Now, um, just to look at family real quick, because through, through my years of travel and service, and the first, when I was, when I was a kid, uh, we moved, I don't know how many times, uh, but my, we had, I don't know, three stepfathers, I think, or something, or four. And um, when I joined the military, I moved every three years as well. Uh, and then I got out of the military, I moved again all the time. So I've lived in nine countries, like you said. And one thing I noticed through all those travels is that the people with the most solid personality and that are empathetic to others all have one thing in common that I've noticed. And this is all the way through the royals that I hung out with. This is all the way through with the movie stars and, and, and politicians and whoever it was that I worked, worked with and for is the one thing that they had in common were for, with, from a solid individual was they had an intact family. So I said to myself, if I'm ever going to have a family, that's priority number one. Now, I'm lucky that I had all my goofy stuff out of the way and when I met my wife because, you know, I'm 51, so I can sort of, make, you know, make a priority back when I was 30, probably wouldn't be able to do it, you know? And so now I decided to live here in a little village outside of Budapest because the grandmother lives here, the great grandmother lives here, the grandfather, the cousins, the aunts, uncles, they all live here. And I want my children to grow up around family because I want them to be that stable personality, to be able to give more to the world than they take. I love that. And I, I love the part at the end there where you talked about 
having that ecosystem of family to really have those, that full branch of the family tree that a lot of military families, uh, my wife grew up as a, an, in the Air Force for 20 years and they moved around four different places and very rarely met their family. And only family they really had was her brother and mom and dad. And so it's great that you recognize that importance of having that outside branches to make sure they stay anchored. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the empathy part of it, too, because, you know, when they can't get along with the parents, like the kids have trouble with the parents, what, do you, what did I do when I was a kid? I went to my grandparents, as long as they were alive. Um, and, you know, they're, they're there to sort of console you and help you and stuff. And then, you know, my parents were separated, so I went to my dad, then I went to my mom, then I went to my grandmothers, and, you know, they were always fighting all of them. So, you know, you could never go to all of them at the same time. Like, there was never any family parties, so it was a big mess. And, um, you know, for the most part, until the grandparents died, it was okay. And that was, I left, it was 1986. So that was when I left. Um, and, uh, I, I just saw that, uh, even my wife, she's so solid because of that, right? She's a solid personality, which I don't have that solidity. I'm building it with my family now and I'm doing it consciously. I have to, because I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And even just simply being aware of it, it's not always something that comes easy every day, but simply just being aware of it. Um, I grew up on a farm and my grandma grew up at the end of the driveway. And so she was the first best friend that I ever had in my life. She was there when I got off the bus. She had cookies. She had pie from that day. She was the, the rocket in my life for the first 15 years of my life. And wow. those memories will always be there for me. And I'm very conscious to make sure that my daughter has those same memories or similar as best as possible. Um, because those other branches can mean so much impact in your life. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're right when you talk about the conscious effort and it's not easy, but it gets easy when you turn it into a habit, put a process in front of it. So if you have a process to actually, you have a, a mission for your, for your children and that is not to, for them to be someone or be somebody, but actually to live the life and allow them to be children as long as they can. That's mm-hmm. my mission. You know, I want them to be children as long as I can. I want them to smile and laugh every single day. Like what my mission is when I come down the stairs, alone in the morning after but for my morning routine and they come down after they always scream Daddy. it's like a carnival every morning because we have that connection you know we have the connection every morning we hug and we kiss and we hold each other and we, we cuddle and every morning that's like our, our ritual uh, even before they go to the preschool and everything so you know that's conscious obviously that's the conscious part of it for me and of course out through the day instead of yelling at them because they're doing something bad you try to explain it to them and ask them the things and because I work at home now, um, it's uh, sometimes stressful because they're always jumping in front of the camera. I'm sure you've seen it. Many times. Um, yeah, and, and it's okay for me. I actually enjoy it. I want them to be part of my life that way. You know, I don't want to be in the office with the door closed like you see in the movies, right? You know, oh, mm-hmm. dad's in his office. Don't bother him. You know, I leave the door open. They can come in anytime. And the Stephen Kuhn that I know wants that honesty part to show that he is a dad. And yep. for him to hide the most important part of his life wouldn't be true to himself either. Exactly. You got it. You nailed it right there. <laughs> <laughs> when I say the words come home, Stephen, what does it mean to you? Um, to me personally, it means coming back to myself and, and not losing sight of who I actually am and what my, what my mission in life, what my, what my um, core responsibilities are and why I do what I do. When it, when it, what does it mean when you come home to your kids? Uh, well, you know, you, it's funny you say that because um, up until October last year, I traveled four days a week, right, for 20 years. Uh, now, okay, I've only been married for, you know, with this wife now for eight years, uh, with my wife now for this way, with my wife now for eight years. Um, so she didn't know the other years, but that's all she knew, and that's all my children knew. So last year, October, I said, I'm done, because I came home one time and the kids were speaking sort of like, a grown-up almost. And I was like, when did you start speaking? 
And I said, wow, I, uh, I'm done. So I decided to stay home and start an online business. I had no idea what I was going to do. I literally stayed home. Like I, that happened. And I, I didn't like go back and say, hey, here's my, I'm leaving because I was self-employed anyway. So I told the clients, either we do online or we're done. And 99% of them said we're done. So um, because they didn't want to work online because most of my clients were in Europe. And they're still, they still want to see you and you face to face, even though you just sit there and you eat breakfast with them and then you eat lunch with them, you eat dinner with them, you go out to golfing, all kinds of yes. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's horrible, man. Well, you know, it's good. It's because it's, you, you spend 90% of your time hobnobbing, you know, and not, 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 not even working. So you're not effective anyway, plus all the costs and everything. So, so I plus came it's a big home. debt that you're paying, you're buying from your kids too, that. Oh yeah. On top of all that. Yeah. yeah. And, it comes and, back. And, and of course, and so when you say coming home, I came home last year, October, like I literally said, I am home and man, that was hard. That was really hard. Uh, my wife was super hard for my wife because she wasn't used to having me there every day. And there I was, the kids were, you know, ecstatic, literally like just on me all the time because they loved it. And then they were asked like, when are you going to leave again? You know, it's like, you know, so they're so used to it that that was the norm and it was, it hurt. You know, it was like, wow, I can't believe that that's what they think is normal. I think it sounds very similar to other guests that I've talked to about the military transition coming back from a deployment. Is there any advice you'd give any other military veteran dads that maybe have that issue with their wife that got used to them being gone? They're trying to come home. Yeah. Understand her. Don't expect anything from them. I mean, you know, we, the, the, the whole thing about honesty, integrity, and transparency, what you mentioned in the beginning and hit is living a life of authenticity. That means being who you are. You are as a man, as a woman responsible for your own happiness. Nobody else is responsible for your happiness. It's great to have a wife or a husband uh, to support you, but it's not their responsibility in the end to make you happy. And this is where a lot of guys go wrong. They come home from the military and they look, look, I came home from war and I landed in, in, in Germany I had no one. I mean, no one was there to, 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 to welcome me except for Jim and Jack, you know, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. And um, I, I hung out with them for like two weeks. <laughs> and uh, um, it was the saddest freaking time of my life. You know, you come home from a war, nobody's there. And, and that, was, that was probably the beginning where I realized, you know, I got to be happy with myself no matter what happens. You know, this expecting someone to welcome me home and call me a hero or whatever it was, or at least be a recognized as a human being comes from external expectations that are put on me. And that's where hit comes in. You have no external expectations. You are, you, you work and you operate from a core principle of honesty, integrity, transparency. And because of that, you have no expectations. And when you give to your queen, to your wife, when you do things for your queen, for your wife, you have no expectation of return because you know that the reciprocal, let's say the, the source, the universe, God, Allah, whoever it is that you believe in, um, has a real simple rule, and that is you give what you have and you receive what you don't have. So when you give without want, uh, you receive everything you need back. So when I come, came home, I said, okay, take the time you need. What do you need? What kind of space? And she said, I need space, man. And the, as a guy who comes home, you're like, what do you mean you need space? I was gone four days a week, and now I'm here, and you need space for me? I mean, how you feel like, you know, how dare you? You know, like, what am I not good enough? And then you, this kind of thing. So start judging um, yourself, start shooting yourself. Exactly. And, and that's what you cannot do because it's not about you. It's about them. And uh, the thing is, this is when they have their own time, they actually develop their own character and do the things that they love to do without you. And that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we schedule times. We schedule everything. I mean date night, and I mean kids. Okay, Tuesdays you take Max, and I take Chenga. Wednesdays you take Chenga, and I take Max. You know, 
Um, and then Thursdays we take them both together and we do things and we do that and we have date night and we do this. And then uh, in the mornings until two, I go to my office and close the door and don't bother her. She's in the house by herself and you know, that kind of stuff. And this is all important for us to have a fruitful relationship. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, we've been together nine years now. I think it's nine years, almost 10 years. And, um, Oh, it's like we're in love. Like it's the first day, you know, it's just, it's incredible. And the kids, they see it and they feel it and they love it. Like when we hug and kiss, they all come and hug and kiss. You know, mm -hmm. it's a family yeah. event. Yes, indeed, indeed, it's amazing. It's a long I'm time a bit, coming. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it. It's a long. <laughs> I'm a big believer that kids spell love. T I M E. What are some simple things that you do to just ground yourself in your kids' love and make sure that they realize that their daddy loves them? Um, I um, take time for them whenever they come. Like if I'm on a podcast call or like if they came in right now, I'd be like one second and I talk to them. Like they'll, they'll never wait for me because I know that's the only time they're going to come to me with that question. Like they, this time will be over quickly. You know, this, <laughs> these, these days will be over where they're going to be like, dad, you have the car keys, you know, and, these are the and days everybody wants back. Right. Exactly. And I know that. And you know, that you're preaching that is awesome because I hope people understand that how important that is. I think back to my life where I didn't have that, you know, and my dad, I saw on Sundays, I was pre-programmed, you know, and he was preoccupied with his new girlfriend and that kind of stuff. So, you know, and, and you know, you're, you're sent outside to play for eight hours and it's like, why am I here to visit my dad if I got to play outside for eight hours? You know? And then, you know, you do stupid things like you take his, you know, you want to help him out and get the snow off of his 57 Chevy and you take an ice scraper and scrape it off and then you end up scraping the whole car and you get in trouble. <laughs> Stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's what memories are made of, at least my memories. So I want to ensure that my kids uh, grow up not spoiled. Believe me, they're not spoiled. Um, uh, you know, they got three gifts each for Christmas, for instance. Like, we don't, we don't do that. We don't play that game, you know. Um, and value is, is there. My wife is amazing at making sure that they take time with each other, that we have time with each other, that she's with them, and that she, we, we, we have board games and puzzles, and like real, you know, real time together. Uh, we spend a lot of time. We spend more. I spend more time with them than anybody else. Like, and and that's rare as a father. Most people are out of the house working, doing this, sleeping, and that. I'm with my kids and my wife all now, the when day. When I was trying to create my business over the last two years, and even now with this podcast and trying to get it ready to launch, I've always been very conscientious that whatever I build is not going to cost come at the cost of my family or my kids because I'm not going to build something that makes me a stranger from the people I'm trying to build it for. Exactly. And the hustle part of the hustle mentality is always what's you get hear that out there. I'm like, I'm just not willing to hustle for my family time. It's the most valuable well, for me. Hustle stands for hustle and grind. They're just cool words to make you feel good about working way too much. Yeah. To, to prove if you that can't get, to if you can't, if you're an entrepreneur and you can't get what you have to get done in four days a week, maybe you look at your business model or delegate something because like I've, I, I instituted the four day work week 15 years ago. And when I, when I was a consultant, like on the road, I worked four days a week. I always came home on Thursday nights, period. And now I do maybe three and a half days a week, you know, and it's, it's not, not even, it's like four to six hour days, if that, and I take a nap during the day too. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, I'm making more money than ever before. And it's, it's because I prioritized the things that I, that, that mean something to me. So when I work, I know why I'm doing it. And I know that I have, you know, four hours until the kids come home and I'm not going to be like, oh, I'll do it later. No, I'm going to do it now. So the one I have when the kids come home, I'm with them. Yeah. My day job a few years back, I was always at the four o'clock would come in and be like, oh man, I got to stay late. I got to get those emails out. And then eventually I realized these are all just B 
BS excuses for things that I did for far too long during the day. There were opportunities that I just spent way too much time talking with someone and my family was going to pay the price. And I'm like, why should they pay the price for my mistakes during the day? And I just said, okay, I'm done. And that tomorrow's a better day. And I'll just figure out a, a better way to manage my time. You know, I think, you know, how do I say this? So I, I you know, I think, I think, um, men have a, how do I say this? There, there's a lot of men's and husbands and dads groups out there. Right. And I see, um, I see a lot of guys unhappy. I see a lot of guys, um, unfulfilled. Yeah, but not, um, how do I say it? Not um, the man of the house, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like they've resigned, they've resigned sort of. Um, and they're upset and the wife isn't happy and they, they continue to do their job because it's like their only way out there where they feel any kind of value and stuff. And for me, that means that uh, for me as, a, as, a, as a, a guy, I see myself as a provider. I'm fortunate enough to live in a, in a foreign country in Eastern Europe where women say, you're the man, don't ask me stupid questions, just do man stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know so so i provide and that's 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 what i need and that doesn't mean i provide money that means it means i provide sort of certainty and security for my family i provide variety for my family i i make my children my wife people feel significant in their and in my life right i have the love and connection i have i have make sure that they grow with me and that my children grow through education through love through whatever it is that we have and of course what we all do is we may, as I make sure through as a, as a, you know, as a provider, I make sure that we're contributing to society as a whole. And those six things that I just named, they're the six essential human needs. So that means every problem on earth can be solved by those six essential human needs. And that is real simple. It's certainty, which means, you know, uh, um, security, uh, relationships, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you have variety of, which is obviously you need variety. You're going to die significance. You need to feel significant love and connection, obviously growth. You know, when we stop growing, we become bored, we become complacent, we start hating ourselves. And of course, contribution, we all know in the military what that means, right? And that, that significance comes into play too, especially when you're a military dad and you get out and you're at home and you're sort of like, you know, you're, you end up working at the bar like I did. Um, suddenly you take off that uniform that has your entire identification, your entire identity on your sleeve, so to say. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you take that off and you're in the bar and some, you know, 14-year-old kid says, get a loser, you get a real job, you know. And, um, you know, that's a lot to deal with. So we go back to hit. You know, I'm responsible for myself. And I, I decide how I react to the outside world. No one else does. So if you come to me and you make me mad, then I show you that I make you mad. That, that just means I'm a slave to your word. And that for me, as a, as a man, as a provider, as a father, that doesn't happen to me. So for fathers out there that are worried and, oh, my wife, and I don't know, you got to stand up, man. You got to stand up. You got to be a man. You can't be scared to be a man. And I know that means in America, oh, my God, now he's being sexist. Not at all. What I'm saying as a man myself, I'm a provider. I ensure that I you know, provide everything that I need to from in my will and in my power that I can. If I hold back anything because I'm upset or, oh, she did this, I'm going to do that, then I'm failing not only myself but my family. So I'm, I'm pretty ad- adamant about that. I've never really talked about it, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sick of hearing, you know, about how men are just being hated all the time. And you don't have to be mad. Being a man doesn't mean being, you know, it just means, you know, standing up for who you are and what, what, what your values are. Man, man, man usually means like like bottle up your emotions, especially the military version of man up, bottle it up. Don't talk about what you're really feeling about. Be someone else who people probably want you to be. 
yeah. in, in reality is like, as you always talked about, it's just honestly being true to yourself. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because you see trends. Um, that's why you see the, the identity politics also in the fatherhood coming through in the manhood. You know, you look at um, the trend, which is ending finally. And the trend was plaid shirts, beard, hard cut, you know, hard part in the hair, you know, the whole works. Like, like every man in, pre- in, in the media was a guy with a beard, you know, and now that's going away slowly. Uh, you know, who knows? It's always changing. Who, who knows what it's going to be? And this people who subscribe to that, it's great because they find an identity, they feel great about themselves, but still they're not true to themselves because that's not who they are. They're actually not authentic because they're actually following the trend. Um, and that's, that's always a discussion I have with people that say, what do you mean I'm authentic? Look at me, I'm, you know, I'm like, you look like everybody else, you know, excuse me. There's nothing wrong with tattoos, nothing wrong with a beard at all, nothing. If that's what you do, that's what you do, it's your deal. Yet, don't, don't claim to be, you know, try not to claim to be authentic. And, and um, for me, it's real simple. If I if, if if I'm trying to be like someone that I see because I think it's cool, then I'm not being authentic. Simple mm-hmm. as that, and that hurts my family. Period. Because yeah. then it makes you less of the person that your wife fell in love with. Of course, and it, well, it's a, for who you fell in love with. Yep. <laughs> you gotta love yourself, man. No one can love you without you loving yourself. No one. No one. And a lot of these guys I see, especially in these fathers groups, they don't love themselves. They're trod, downtrodden, beat down, hate themselves, and they're in a marriage they don't want to be in. They cheat on their wife for 10 years, and she, she turns around and cheats on them, and they're crushed. You know, it's like, what? You know, it's just, it's just get out of your own head, man. Get out of your own head and just find who you are for real, your purpose, man. What's your purpose? Yeah. When your kids are 30 at a bar talking about their dad, what do you want them to say? Um, I'll be sitting beside them. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be 80. Uh, but <laughs> I'll be 80 years old beside him. Um, I think they're going to say uh, my dad was eclectic. Uh, he was a big guy who, you know, had even a bigger heart um, and did way too much for way too many people <laughs> in their opinion. So, yeah, I think that's what they'll say. I, I, I really, I know that what I've done so far in, in the world is more than most people have done in, in, in their life. Um, but it was all in stride and it was all, due to the principles that I live by. Um, and I also know that my real impact is, hasn't even come yet. So it's, I'm, I'm standing on the, yep. on the threshold. Yeah. I'm a big believer. I've, I've just recently started framing things, but thinking of different parts of our life is just a season. So you did things at a different part of your life in a season, and now you're in a different season that requires different mindset, different approaches. And now you're really almost in the legacy season because your family is the yeah. legacy that you leave behind and whatever impact you had in the world, your, your kids are the ones that are going to carry it on. And Well, yeah. And, and that's the whole thing is just part of what I do is I, I help, you know, people learn and think long-term. You know, we have a society of instant, instant gratification and even goal setting. Most, most people I know, they just want to pay the bills this month, you know. Um, and my goals are to, you know, establish a, oh, I don't want to say dynasty, but like a secure world for my children, no matter what happens. Um, and that's also in order for them to be able to have an education if I'm not here anymore, for them to have whatever it is that they need, not spoiled wise, but, you know, be able to support themselves if they have to have a business that they can take over if they, if they so choose and run it like, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that I think of right now. And most people don't think like that anymore. I mean, the, 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 the rare exception is like royals and aristocrats, you know, that's why their dynasties are so strong because that's how they think. They think in generations, not in months. And, um, and so that's, that's how I'm beginning to think and that's how I'm planning. And that's why suddenly when I, when, when I'm, I'm teaching a class now called the last goal setting course you'll ever need, 
and um, we teach about that. So we set goals for 30 years, and that's just blowing people's minds. But when you tell them that, but when, when you start setting goals for 30 years, you're going to have three, four, a thousand goals in front of you. And people are like, how can you possibly, possibly, you know, reach those goals? And that's not the point. Point is, when I open when I when I when I open my horizon up like that, and I look at all the possibilities that I can do because anything's possible, um, then I suddenly I'm aware of more doors. I'm aware of more opportunities. I'm aware of people walking up to me that I wouldn't be aware of otherwise. And I teach this to my kids too. It's like always look who and what is in front of you, to the right of you, and to the left of you, and always be nosy and be you know um, informative and what who are they what do they do and why are they there and that kind of stuff and that's that's going to propel you into a life of excitement and amazing opportunities and as long as you're giving back um everyone deserves it so why mm. not grab it yeah. reminds me of the jim carrey story where he wrote himself a million dollar check in 10 years he was going to cash it and kept it in his pocket and oh, i got plenty of those stories i got a <laughs> bunch of those stories a bunch of those stories the ones i didn't write were the ones where i lost that check actually got the check and then I lost it again. I was like, okay, I, didn't, I never wrote that one. <laughs> that one never happened. But, uh, I, but I learned about it. Exist. Exactly. Yeah. But I learned about that. And what that was is the same thing I was talking about is we set goals, right? And we reach them, then we don't have a goal anymore. And we think, okay, cool. And then your mindset changes. You make the million dollars. The next thing you know, all you want to do is hold on to that million dollars. So you're not in the abundance mindset anymore. You're in the scarcity mindset. And when you're in my scarcity mindset, everything disappears. And I did that twice. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and now it's just, you know, the goal setting part of it, the reaching goals for me, my children, whoever it is, is a part of our daily process. So it's nothing special. Like we reach goals and we set goals and we, we talk about and process them every single day. So it's like an ongoing process because a lifestyle change. Like if you want to lose weight, you lose weight and then you gain it back again because you only set a goal of losing that weight and not changing your lifestyle forever. Um, and that's, that's sort of where I, where I live. If you, mm -hmm. if, if you will, with my family. And that makes things much calmer because you know nothing happens right now. Nothing happens right now. And coming from the military, you know how hard that is, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this, this, this has really solidified us as a family where we say, okay, take the time to build whatever it is we have, whatever we want. If you want to do this, then we have to talk about it, move it this way. We have to talk about it, move it that way. Yeah. What was your scariest moment as a dad? And what did that teach you about towards your life? And how you set it up? I think the scariest moment was when, when my son was born, the first child, you know, um, where, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, this is weird. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know what love was uh, until I had a child. Like I had no, I thought I knew, you know, I had no idea. And what's scary about being a dad is that, you know, you can't be there forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Number one. And number two is, um, it's not about you anymore. Zero, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, um, having that responsibility is, can be daunting. It can be massive pressure. If you're a perfectionist, if you're, uh, you know, what do you call them? Seagull dad, seagull parents. If you're helicopter scared, parents. yeah, yeah. Helicopter parents. If you're scared that you're going to get hurt, that kind of stuff, you know, that's, helicopter parents um it's it was hard for me to let go because i was like that you know like a little bit oh, yeah. my wife's like chill you know, my wife's really strong that way like if he busts his head he busts his head you know that's what happens um and so for me the scariest part was actually that realization that man you know i you know, literally that's like they're being born i'm thinking like i won't be here forever i mean what a weird thought to have you know what i mean yeah but what and, it, you're, what and you're older as a dad so then you you probably have just things like i'm gonna be over 60 when the, these things happen and will i be there uh, I'm 51 now. 
and they're yeah. three and four. So yeah, figure it out. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, like you said, when I'm 30, I'll be 80. Um, so, you know, or 79 anyway. And, um, my dad, my, my dad's 76. So, and he's like, he looks like he's 50. So, you know, hopefully, uh, the gene, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, uh, I think my grandfather died at 82. So yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think the scariest part is knowing that, you know, they're not, you know, I was going to be there, but that, that keeps me conscious of it. You know, it really does. It really keeps me conscious of it. I think about it more than I should probably. Um, and, but th that keeps me on my toes to say, this is the moment right now. Like every time I leave, if I go somewhere like tomorrow, I'm driving to Vienna. I want to make sure that they know everything that I need to tell them. It doesn't matter what time it is. If it's in the morning, night, it doesn't matter if I'm leaving for long or short there. I will leave the house with the two kids knowing everything that's in my heart, period. And I do that every day when I leave. What do you, uh, how did you deal with that when you first, when their kids were first born? Did you have struggle with burying yourself in work as like a way to avoid it? Of course, I avoided the entire thing. That's, that's why the four days a week were great for me because I could leave. You know, my, my wife would call and show me pictures of them going to kindergarten and she's crying like, you know, bawling. And I'm like, hey, baby, it'll be all right. Like, I get back to work. Love you. Bye. You know, I just didn't want to deal with it. And now it's like, how could I dare yeah. do that? Yeah. And even just the, like looking back and like being honest with yourself, yeah. I, I can only imagine was a monumental shift. Well, it was because I was a hitman, right? So I, I've always lived this way. And suddenly I wasn't because I was scared, you know, and I was scared that it was, it was the most beautiful thing in the world that scared me and the children, you know? Yep. And then we had, then we had the second child. I was like, Oh, good Lord. It's a daughter. Oh, good Lord. You know? So, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it took, it took some time still to this day. I look at them sometimes and I can just bring out tears because I love them so much. Just, it, it, freaking hurt sometimes you know and so much i love them i remember i've heard it explained like uh it's like having your heart beat outside your body and run around and be dangerous like at any moment your heart could just yeah. break and yeah. sometimes you have no control over it and it is i i struggle with that same thing as well yeah it's amazing especially my son looks exactly like me so <laughs> and and like my father and like my grandfather like we all look exactly like when we were his age i have a twin brother we looked exactly like him my father looked exactly like him at age and my grandfather looked exactly like him at our age so it's like really weird it's like the strongest gene ever <laughs> i find the scariest part is with my daughter uh that there was a book i read strong father strong daughters and it talks about how much of a role their father plays in their future choice of men and everything in life. Even just giving your daughter a hug every day reduces the, 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 the age that they'll have sex by like 60%. Just because if they get whatever they from you, they'll, uh, they'll go and find it from, it's like just giving a hug. So like that affection with their father, if they don't get it from you, there's like oh. a 60% chance less of having sex by the age of 12 just from you giving her that physical touch because then she won't go out and seek it on her own. Like that little something like real, made me realize that how I show up in her life, yeah. I'll either be the one providing it or she will find someone. That oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm all over her. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're, we hug as much as possible. Like I, I, I can, I can't hug him enough. I don't spoil him that way. Um, but at least I don't think I am. My wife says I do a little bit. My wife says I do a little bit, but I'm, I'm this, I mean, she's a stern one. Like, you know, typically throughout the day, but when it, when it gets hard on hard, I'm the tough one. I'm like, all right, enough. Boom. But I don't, this is where, this is where the difference is. is I don't get mad because I know what I'm doing, right? I'm not mad. I'm, I'm saying stop now. It's enough. So I don't get mad. So occasionally I'll get mad, but it's very rare. But I, I don't, I don't stay mad. Like it's 10 seconds and I'm okay. 
Yeah. Just you like know? a kid. They could get mad, but three seconds yeah. later, they're giving you exactly. all you I love you. But my wife's a little different in that case. She gets mad. She stays mad for a little bit, you know, and I'm like, baby, why? What's the point? You know, there's nothing. You're doing nothing for anybody except for you negatively. And so, yeah. So there's a book um, that Jocko Willink wrote called Warrior Kid. Um, it's also how fathers deal with their, with their, with their sons. It's amazing. You know, you read it to your son. My son's too young really to understand it yet, but amazing book. I was actually, Tim Sales uh, suggested that to me. Um, a pretty cool book. It's, it's, it's about a kid, you know, um, sort of not being accepted and you know, how we dealt with it, that kind of stuff. So mm. pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. What do you want your family's legacy to be? My family's legacy? I want it to be whatever they, whatever they want it to be. You know, I, I just want to provide the, the, the launching pad for them. And that includes my wife, you know, I mean, I, I see my wife having a second life, you know, I see it, you know, so, I mean, if I live to 80, you know, she'll be 50, you know, saying I'm 51 right now, I'm just starting out again, my third career, you know, my third life, whatever. So I see that happening, you know, like that, that could totally happen. Um, and I just want to make sure that everything is possible. You know, we got our dream house here in Hungary or here, her, you know, her dream house, but it's our dream house. Um, and uh, that was a big, big deal for her. Uh, like 98% of Hungarians own real estate. So you always own your house. You never rent. And only expats rent. That was me. And um, so that, that's a big thing for her that she can build from here. And we're in a village of 2,000 people and I'm, I'm going to buy up a bunch of land in the, in the neighborhood here so they have that to either sell or, you know, sort of rent or whatever they want to do. I want to try to buy some farmland too. I can't buy it because I'm a foreigner. It's in Hungary. You can only be Hungarian to buy land, so it'd be in her name anyway. So yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm doing. I, would, I don't I don't need uh, to make my son a football star or you know be the movie star, or whatever. I just want to give them the platforms so they can do whatever they want. When you think of for your daughter, your daughter is your oldest or your son is your oldest? Son is my oldest. When you think of the different, I, I always struggle in this, whether you do sports or ballet for my daughter, yeah. how do you balance that versus like making them want to? try new things but at the same time making sure that it's something they want to do and I've always struggled in that area of how to uh, plan I'm not following the question what's the actual question like what, what do you how do you frame it in your head of making sure your son is exploring football soccer American football in this case probably not over there <laughs> that's a wrong no, 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 example but, uh, I, like I do don't you, when you I, enroll different uh, when your kids get enrolled in different activities how do you we talked to him about it. We talked to him about it. We talked to him about it. We look at it on TV. We watch a video or something, not TV, but video. Mm -hmm. um, hey, what do you think of that? How's it work? And I show him a little moves or whatever. You know, we just, we just let him bounce it off. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Uh, we never force him to do anything. We never force him to, you know, dance in the school play and that kind of thing. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal. My daughter and my son are sort of shy um, until they get to know you, like probably most kids are. Um, um, but then they don't shut up. So it's just constant, you know, they sort of love that stuff. So I don't, I don't, I try not to mix into it. I try not to just make any decisions for them. Like I would never say no or yes, because I really want them to, to, to realize, like I said, they're being kids. My number one goal is to, is to have them laugh every single day. And number two is to be a kid as long as possible. That's my, mm -hmm. it's my two goals. Cause I know my childhood was taken away from me really early. And, um, I, I just know, I hear of people have like long childhoods and how much fun they had and stuff. So, I just want my kids to develop themselves, man. You know, I want to give them a platform and space to develop who they are. Just explore their curiosity. Yeah, man. Just do whatever you just do whatever you think is like is 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 exciting for you. And then if you try, like my son, tries all kinds of stuff. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. 
You know, I don't go out and like, if I want to go ice skating. Okay, we're going to buy a full ice skating. We don't do that. We rent the ice skates. <laughs> yeah. All right, give it a shot. No, you don't like it? Okay, good, let's go. My daughter loves you, ice skating. It's one of her favorite things. It's one of my time. My, my son like, likes horseback riding. My son likes horseback riding, for instance. So, yeah. And my daughter, you know, she uh, hasn't gotten that far yet to, to really like anything. <laughs> do you like horseback riding? I did back in the day, but I, my, my, my spine is all messed up now. I can't really, I can't do the, I can't do the jolting anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because over here, you know, in, in their preschool, they had horse riding every Thursday. And then in winter, they had ice skating every Thursday. Um, they have uh, military day, they have independence day and they dress up and they make little military hats like they did in the 1800s and they wear these, you know, I love it that they teach history here and national culture and things like that. I absolutely love it. And my son speaks Hungarian and English. And now that we moved to this village uh, three months, four months ago, um, the school's actually German. So they speak English, German, and Hungarian. And they're only four, three and four years old. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. When you teach, when uh, I've always liked the idea of, and I haven't been able to do it yet, but I always, I know the, the benefit of traveling internationally, getting those different perspectives. Do you see that as something like you want to take your kids on more international trips with you as they get older? Oh, we do. So yeah, we, they've, my son was, my son is four. He's been to America nine times, been to Italy twice. Uh, they've both been to Spain. My daughter's been to America, I think six times, been to the UK. Yeah. We take him everywhere. <laughs> take him everywhere, man. <laughs> and it's funny because like we went to Italy and my son's like, pizza. You know, he's like, just grab this big ass pizza. I was like, how do you know? Because we don't eat pizza. Like, you know, how did you even know? I mean, it's crazy. We don't, we don't watch, don't watch TV either, except for certain programs. So we don't do mindless zipping, zapping. We don't zap at all. Zero. So it's, it's, it's funny how sometimes they just adapt immediately. Like you're in the same, like you're down the street, you know, mm -hmm. you don't even notice. It's funny how, you know, they remember like from their, from their young, young childhood still today, things will pop out. They, like, Hey daddy. Where's the pizza that we had yesterday? And you're like, yesterday? Like when? Yeah, we were in this place. I'm like, that was four yesterday years ago. Yesterday was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and do you remember that? It's like, yeah, this big ball of cheese. I'm like, yeah, always amazing what mozzarella. they can remember. I know. It's like, that was buffalo mozzarella. It's like, yeah, buffalo. Like, whoa. Yeah. It is nice when they figure out that the word yesterday is yesterday and not yeah, yeah. two years in the past. <laughs> and it, makes, it makes it so much easier to figure stuff out. I remember my, I traveled to Prague for work and one of the very first lessons they taught me is that they spend almost all of their 20s just traveling the world, finding yep. the person that they love and just enjoying life. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that Americans don't really do well at at all in that we just get sucked in or into our own little country. Most people never leave their state, even let alone the country, get a yeah. passport and explore something. But that true, just seeing the world through a different set of eyes adds so much unmeasurable, intangible benefit to just choosing what you want to do with your life, knowing who you are, getting in touch with who you are. It's something that I definitely want to make sure that I can figure out how to incorporate in my life. And depth, my man. depth, 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 depth. I mean, yes. It, and what, what I, what I would drive me nuts when I, when I worked in, in Berlin and the bar scene, right? So I had my own bars and stuff in Berlin and I worked at the Hard Rock Cafe too before that. You'd see the Americans come there and they would go to the Hard Rock Cafe. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in Hard Rock Cafe? You're in Germany, man. Go eat some sausage and, you know, 
haksa they call it you know and and it was just it just it was funny how they travel and they still do the american things you know like i go to the marriott here in budapest on sundays and they have the viking cruise you know it's like a river cruise for older people and it's all americans they're all eating at the marriott eating american breakfast like come my on, co-workers guys. would always go to the tgi fridays in prague yeah. we're in prague why would you go to yeah. tgi yeah. fridays I know. crazy that's because they, they 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 know everyone has their choice everybody's familiarity there's only like was it 19 of americans even have passports or something like that um, so I, I can't even like, I've had my passport ex- like stocked up twice because I have so many stamps in there. I mean, this year alone, uh, Egypt, uh, uh Morocco, every European country, basically England, Spain. I mean, I don't even know. I went so many places. I went America four times in the last five months. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> traveling around like crazy, but um, I haven't started bringing them on speaking gigs yet or on business gigs yet because I, I, I can never tell what's going to happen. You know, I don't know how long I'm going to be out, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I will start doing that once uh, we, I get to a certain point um, that I'm going to start having a tutor and we're going to travel together. So if I speak in Australia I'll, I'll, and I speak twice, I'll make it two weeks and we'll stay there for two weeks, speak for two days and then have the rest of two weeks to travel and have a tutor there to you know, teach kids. And then if I, I don't know, go to China, then we'll do the same thing there. So that's sort of how I envision it happening. Once I get uh, to that point, um, if that's the route I still want to go by then, who knows? Cause I feel like it's changing. Um, cause my online presence and my online businesses are going so well that I may not, I not even want to travel. Yeah. You may find that you can just be dad and yep. still be yep. exactly in a different season of life. Maybe yep. when they're in their teenage years, when they would also like exponentially have fun just being teenagers in foreign countries. Yeah. And, and it's little- funny. You, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I like the different seasons, but you know, some people might not realize that I changed my life completely like three times, like, like completely um, languages, countries, people, relationships, completely changed like jump from military to a civilian in Germany didn't speak the language right and just had no clue what the hell I was doing and I did it I came out on top wrote a bestseller and did TV and all kinds of stuff and news news anchor did MTV all kinds of stuff and um, and then I did it again in Hungary I just left Germany and came to Hungary didn't speak the language still don't speak it as great as I speak German um, and my life in Germany was hanging out with the Royals Working with politicians, European um, parliament members, German parliament members, uh, other world leaders, uh, Mick Jagger, Andrea Bocelli, Olivia Newton-John, working with all these people. And here I'm just an online dude living in the village. It's like completely different life. Not even, like my wife can't even imagine that I did those things that I did. Hanging out with Bill Clinton and Kofi Annan at the UNESCO ball in Geneva. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my old life. And people are like, how could you leave that? I'm like, because it was all fake. <laughs> meant nothing yeah. when I had kids everything else fell away like when I had kids it doesn't matter at all I've heard it said that Billy Graham uh, when he, he said that he's talked to stadiums of 60,000 people and he would have had a bigger impact on the world if he spent that time with his kids amen amen we can get caught up in the Hollywood that you need to be associated or you need to even just be associated at all or people need to know you in order for you to have value that's where you go back to that you're essentially living someone else's life Exactly. And he eventually just, that's, I mean, as happy as people are in Hollywood, even Robin Williams, everybody thought he was the happiest guy in the world. He was a comedian exactly. for, for, exactly. Yeah. He made people yeah. laugh. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and, and again, once again, we get back to that hit, you know, we get back to, you have to love yourself, you know, and you're only, you are responsible for your happiness. Nobody else can be responsible for your happiness. If they are, that's not a healthy relationship. You know, the basis of every healthy relationship on this planet, in this universe, be it public, private, professional, whatever it is, is integrity. That's it. That's the basis. If you don't have integrity in your relationship, and that means you're doing what you do because you want to do it and because you want to be there, not because you expect something, because you have, you know, you want something. And that can only be if you're happy with yourself and you realize that you're the one who dictates your own reality. It's the way it is. And when you do that, I can't, Ben, I can't even tell you what freedom is like <laughs> when you realize that whatever I do, I do it because I want to do it. You know how it is. You know, when, when I was working and I had a boss, which was like maybe two years of my life, I remember this like, oh, Stephen, a boss wants to see him. Like, oh, shit, what does he want? You walk in there, you're nervous, you don't know have to say, I don't need that. I don't need to do that. If I come from a place of honesty and take your transparency, it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he expects from me because where I'm coming from is hit, period. And that no matter what he says or she says or how they say it or what they think or how they feel or their mood has nothing to do with who I am. When you realize that, my friend, that is incredible freedom. And, that, and suddenly you're the most authentic person that anyone's ever met because you're you and you're living it fully. Mm -hmm. And you show up and you're almost like that people don't really know how to handle it. Most, especially in America, because very, very little, even just random conversations at the grocery store, you can just have people like, no one talks to me at the grocery store. Yeah. I talk to everybody everywhere. Like, you know, I mean, I literally like I'm, I'm in the, I'm always talking to people. Like I can't stand anyone without talking to people. I love, I love people. I love meeting people and talking to them everywhere you go. You know, I'm the guy in the elevator who talks to everybody. Two years ago, I had a uh, mindset shift that if I wanted a result I had, I've never had in my life, which was friends, I need to do something I never did. And it was just talking. And yeah. so I've got a mindset that I'm always one conversation away from something amazing coming into my life. And I'm going to miss those shots if I don't take them. And so I always just start. Perfect example. And I'm going to tell you this. This is, I'm going to tell you this. People ask me, how do you get such good guests on your podcast? Like I had, you know, I don't know, some people you might not even know, but you know, I have some pretty high caliber people on there and like world, world known people. And, um, uh, someone asked me how you do it. I said, I can ask him. I asked, I talked to him, talked to him like I'm talking to you right now. So an example was yesterday. Um, I, I wrote a guy that I've known for, that I've heard of for the last 15, 20 years, 30 years actually. And, uh, his name is Tim sales. And Tim sales is someone that hardly anyone knows unless you're in the network marketing company business. He was a trainer for so many years and he made, you know, he was, he was back in the nineties after he was a Navy diver. He got out and within five years, he was making 150 K a month. And, um, you know, he, he ended up making a training company on how to you know, work network marketing. And um, his book last year was downloaded 44 million times. No one even knows who he is. And um, perfect, perfect example. I called him up or I wrote him a mail and said, I want to have him on podcast, you know. And he's, yesterday we had a, a preliminary talk, a pre-talk for the podcast. It was supposed to be 15 minutes. It was three hours. And he said, Stephen, I feel like I have a friend. And you're exactly right. You're one question away from having someone who you've known and who is influential and has, has answers and things like that, not only of realizing they're just like you and only human, but you yeah, can be a friend. The, the same way. Yeah. And you can be a friend with them just like that. It's exactly the same way that I met Andrea Bocelli, Mick Jagger, all those people. Same exact way. Just did it like that. And if you do get that, no, that's most likely that they're not really being honest with themselves and they're most exactly. Well, that's pretending the point. to be to ignore you because that's what they were told they need to do. Or you're not hit. 
Correct. You're not you're, coming you're from a place you, of you, you're, you're, you're trying. You're you're asking for. You want something. You're up. Your your expectations are there. You have expectations. Literally, look. The the essence of hit is this: showing up fully and wholly for the person in front of you without an expectation, even if you don't have the answers. And the reason for that is, is when you show up with somebody and you don't have the answers, you they they're at ease because you're there for them no matter what. If they need just your support or they need your answers, you're there in the same way. And that gives, that empowers them automatically that they open up their horizon. They can often solve the solution, you know, come to the solution on their own. Makes them feel safe. As well, yeah, exactly. What's yeah. a book that you would recommend for military veteran dads? You talk about the warrior kid. Warrior kid. I like the warrior kid. I don't know. You know, I, it depends where you are in your career. I mean, there's and, and your life. I mean, there's self development is number one. As a dad, if you're not secure in who you are, you're not secure in what you can teach, you're not secure in your own values, then that's what comes first. You you know, um, I would suggest anyone out there who isn't hit, who isn't in their core, um, you know, of who they are, uh, read the Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. Actually, don't read it. Listen to it. Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. Uh, it's like a two-hour book, one hour and eighty-minute or one hour and fifty-minute book or something like that. Um, and what it does is it, it it deprograms you from external influence, I guess you could say, and you end up learning what I was talking about. How you know you're basically uh, you're in control one hundred percent of the time. And no, no one can make you do anything unless you let them unless you want to do it for them because you feel like they expect it from you, like your wife or your, your son even or your daughter or your mom or your boss, the police officer that stops you in the, in, on the street. You know, these are all people that if you're not hit, you're going to dance to their music. Mm -hmm. I found a can, similar mindset going to the gym. Uh, I've been going to the gym for the last uh, almost 12 months now. I mean, not 10, 10 months. And I find a lot of it is more just doing, it's about the inner work through pushing through even just pushing a barbell like that pushes through more nonsense self-talk in my head and more to me going to the gym is more about the inner work than looking good on the outside and i think everybody gets lost on the outside which is why they quit the gym routines but i find so many uh, just garbage pushed out of my head by pushing through lifting weights the gym is where i get my inspiration that's where I, that's where i get my inspiration every day i mean i literally sing out loud in the gym and get somebody's nerves um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm literally the guy that's just bouncing around, shaking everybody's hand, giving them high fives. And I'm, I'm in such an amazing mood every morning because I get up, I do my magic morning routine. I meet my kids and my wife, we kiss and whatever we do. And then I take off to the gym. They go to school. I go to the gym with my wife. Typically I'm just on fire in the gym because that's where the creativity, I usually listen to, um, um audiobooks. While I'm in there, so I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing what? Yeah," and I'm pumping. I'm like, "Yeah," you know, and I'm just, I'm just letting it out, you know. And uh, uh, I'm always giving advice and you know, helping people out and you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I, I think that uh, you know, I've been training since I was 13, so um, almost 14, and so it's become it's not not even a habit. It's it's like it's like eating. It's like drinking water for me, going to the gym, and that's why because it's the hormone release, it's the endorphins, you know, it's the, it's that, what you said, breaking through. If you're in a bad mood, go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll push you through and uh, yeah. I've done that many times. If you're depressed, go to the gym. If you're tired, go to the gym. You know, it's just, uh, or, or whatever fitness you, you, you know, you deserve, you desire. Uh, but yeah, the gym is huge for me, huge. Huge. I mean, that's where I got the idea for the last school sitting course you'll ever need. I was there. I was like, oh, well, I have a partner um, who's a green for a, a green beret.
veteran, um, Lane Ballone, and I called him like, dude, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, oh my God, it's perfect. He's like, oh yeah, we're on it, boom. And we started, uh, four, four weeks later, the course started, we had 50 people who joined, um, and uh, we started. It's, it's, it's first class, um, changed lives already. So I uh, can't wait for the next seven classes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a, a similar where the best Facebook posts that I come up with are at the gym. And one of them was just the rowing machine. I did one uh, yesterday with the rowing machine. I was like, I just learned two life goals and proved it with the rowing machine. You set a target, you hit it with consistent action and daily investment. You're going to get there. Yep, exactly. Well, that's, that's what Tim sales said yesterday. He said, look, I don't have, he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm almost scared to go on your podcast because I think so simply. I said, no, that's your strength. You sold 44 million books. Are you kidding me? You know? And I said, and he said, look, anybody, I can make anybody a millionaire if they just train and actually do the work. He said he made like 56 millionaires last year. He said, just train and do the work. That's all you need. Don't think about it. Don't analyze it. Just train it until you can't do it wrong. Mm -hmm. That is just train a natural habit. Until to... you can't do it wrong. I like that when it's consciously stated, you can't do it wrong. When you say it becomes, it's, it's natural. That's different than saying, you can't do it wrong. It's the same thing as I say, I create my, dic I, I, I dictate my own reality. Or if I say the universe can never say no, because it can't. Two different sayings means the same thing, but one's more powerful than the other one. I, 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 always, like to, I always like to choose the powerful words for myself because I remember real, real simple things like that myself. Yeah. This interview has just been incredible, Steve. What's, what's a parting piece of advice that you'd like to give for military veteran dads? <sighs> Um, don't be hard and don't, don't be too hard on yourself when you're home, give fully and totally to your children, uh, to your family. Um, when we don't be distracted, don't say you need time for yourself. Even if you do need time for yourself, you're going to find that the most soothing thing that you can do is be with your family. If you let it go, if you let it happen, sorry, if you let it happen, you have to let it happen. No expectations, guys. You're the provider. You're the warrior. You know, you come home, whatever they do, they do, you know. You can't control them. You can't force them. You can't make them do anything, right? So let it go and be who you are and be happy with you. And believe me, it's like a magnet. They come to you. As soon as you're happy with who you are, it's like a magnet. Boom. They all come to you. Way to end the show with a bang. Bang. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. It was my pleasure indeed. Thanks for the talk. It was, a quite, it was a quite an interesting talk. I've never had uh, an interview like that before. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap, and thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home. <laughs>